Clayton Kershaw dismantles the Twins. They're swept by the Dodgers. Let's break it down on today's episode of Lockdown Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 13th. It's 3.10 p.m. Central. And I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. I've been hosting this podcast for over two years now. Been writing at Twins Daily for over two years, three seasons at Twins Daily. This is my fourth. I'm super excited for this year. And the Twins are two and four after a loss to the Dodgers. They're swept by the Dodgers. Sleepy series at Target Field, cold, rainy. Not a lot of energy from either team. Clayton Kershaw was amazing today. Don't want to take anything away from him. Dave Roberts pulls Clayton Kershaw after seven perfect innings and 13 strikeouts. He was at 80 pitches. I would have left him out there. Dave Roberts does not. And the Twins break up the combined perfect game in the eighth on a Gary Sanchez single. A lot of things happen here. And I want to break them down for you. Micro, macro, what it means. And tomorrow we'll have a complete series preview for the Twins series at Fenway. Uh, four games set with the Red Sox because they have an off day Thursday. And then we'll go to Boston and, and face the Red Sox starting Friday afternoon. So we'll preview that with all the pitching matchups tomorrow. Excited to do that with you. But let's talk about these last two days because the Twins were very competitive yesterday with the Dodgers for seven innings. uh, Pitched extremely well. Chris Archer was awesome in his Twins debut. Command wasn't quite there, but four scoreless against that Dodgers lineup is great. He gave them a chance to win. Carlos Correa had two doubles. I believe both are with no outs to lead off the inning, and they just couldn't knock him in. They had chances to take over that game. They've had chances to take over... You know, all four of their losses, probably not today. So three out of their four losses, they've had chances to win. Those games, two of them, they lost by one run. Today, they just weren't going to win. And I want to talk about that a little bit to start. Rockaballdelli rests Carlos Correa in this game, unless he's hurt and we don't know. But it sounds like it was just a day off for Carlos Correa. Uh, I get it. Last night, there was a, a rain delay, and it went late. It was 1130 or midnight. They restarted. I watched the last inning and a half. Correa was pulled from that game and rested today. Byron Buxton DHs. You got Nick Gordon in left because Alex Kirloff went to the injured list. We talked about that in the postcast with Brandon Warren. You can find that on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota. So this lineup didn't look good against uh, one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time. And Clayton Kershaw still has it, clearly still has it. (sighs) Resting Carlos Correa, it's going to happen this year. And for it to happen right now is, is understandable. You have 10 games in a row after the off day tomorrow. However, I think the position the Twins are in, where every game for them, I know how early it is, and I know how it's six games, and and you don't want to overreact. And I'm trying my best to recalibrate after a tough Vikings season, recalibrate my mind to it's six games. It's, It's macro over micro at this point. You're looking at the long game. It didn't feel like there was any chance the Twins were going to win this game. And I do wonder if Baldelli and the staff felt that way. Like there's a 75, 80% chance they're going to lose anyway to Clayton Kershaw with Chris Paddock on the mound. Dodgers have had success against him. They've seen him. That lineup's incredible. It was a late night. Offense got going for Los Angeles late in that game. I do wonder that. And I wonder if that's why Buxton was DHing. I wonder if that's why Correa 
rested in this game, but they looked completely outmatched. It looked like they didn't want to be there today. And I'm, I hesitate to use phrases like they don't care. They don't have any en- energy. They don't look like they want to be there. So it's obviously not true. A lot of the time, like much of the time that is not true. They, they just were so outmatched in this game. The last 11 innings of this series, they were completely outmatched. Just not, not anywhere near the stratosphere of the Dodgers. And couple of things you can draw from that. One, the Dodgers are an amazing club. They're the best team in the world, I think, by a healthy margin. I don't think any team touches the talent the Dodgers have in their lineup, in their rotation, in the bullpen. Their farm system's the best in the world. They have the best organization by far in Major League Baseball. And the Twins, we know, are a hovering 500 team this year, probably projected to win right around 500, have a 500 record, went around 80, 85 games this year. I've been optimistic they could win more than that. I think they can. But this is kind of what you expect, right? The Twins hung in it in the first game for a while and couldn't get it done. At the same time, they had a chance to win game one. If they split this series, it's a whole different conversation. They had chances to win that first game. It is discouraging to see them just – it looked like they didn't belong on the same field. I agree. It looked like the Twins did not belong on the same field as as the Dodgers today. And pulling pulling conclusions from this can be tricky. It can be misleading. This was an ugly two days, an ugly 11 innings, I would say, for the Twins in, in like 12-plus hours, like 13 hours of bad baseball for the Twins. Errors, Luis Arise error last night at third base. Errors today, like just not, not, not good for the Twins in that two-game set. Target field was very, very quiet. I have PTSD from 2021 with how it felt at times at the beginning of that season where it was just so, so low energy. Just, just no energy, and that's that's what it felt like today. Clayton Kershaw was amazing. They're going to run into some great starters this year. They're going to run into starters who have amazing outings. They're going to run into guys like that. It's going to happen. Uh, I don't want to say it's going to happen for after every single game this year, though, especially at the beginning. It's going to happen. They're not going to be able to drive in runs. Oh, it's going to happen. They're going to run into some tough starters. It is. Even if the Twins win 90 games this year, which should be good enough to make the playoffs, that's 72 losses. You got to find 72 losses on the schedule. And for the Twins last year, it was very easy for them to find 89 losses on the schedule. Even 100 win teams lose 62, lose 62 games. You're going to blow saves. You're going to fail the driving runners. You're going to run into Clayton Kershaw at his best in his first start of the season. All of those things are going to happen. Let's talk about Alex Kirloff, Jorge Alcala going to the injured list after this word. From Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting flavors. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. And all Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better and they're healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has more calories, more sugar, dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts talking fans through the season like no other network. 
free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Kirloff to the injured list with a recurring wrist injury. A couple things to draw from this. One, it sucks because I think Alex Kirloff was set to have a, a big time year. But the caveat to that statement and that prediction was that he would be healthy. His wrist would be healthy. And we know that when his wrist isn't right, when a hitter's wrist is not right, they aren't right. And Alex Kirloff has not been right at the plate. He's looked, uh, frankly, terrible for the Twins so far. Him going to the injury list is not a surprise. It's not a surprise to see him go to the injury list with a wrist injury. If he was mashing, he was like 10 for 17 with three homers and a couple doubles, and then he went to the injury list, whoa, you'd be really shocked. But he struggled so badly, and we know the talent he has. We know the hitter he is. He just looked out of sorts. He's late on fastballs. He's pulling out of his swings. Justin Morneau mentioned today, pulling out of swings, trying to generate more power. It's just not there for Alex Kirilov. So this is not a surprise. Maybe the time off will help him. But in the long run, this is scary. And that's your your first reaction is this is scary for the Twins long term. If this keeps showing up, soreness. Soreness is a surgically repaired wrist. He had soreness in November, was shut down, and now he's shut down again. I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't think it's going to be a short period of time. For Alex Kirloff, we know how the Twins are with injuries. Trevor Larnick is recalled from AAA where he was struggling mightily. 36% strikeout rate for the Saints. I think he was hitting a buck 18 through four or five games or whatever. But again, extremely talented. We know what he's capable of doing. We saw it last year before he got carved up by the league. Uh, Trevor Larnick, I think, could, could step in and at least be what Alex Kirloff was, which uh, wasn't very good in that first week. It's it's an upgrade to what Kirilov was bringing right over that, over these first six games, but a healthy Alex Kirilov, I think is a middle of the order crusher. I think he, he's going to be great for the twins. Got to get him right. Got to get his wrist right. Uh, wish the best to, to Alex Kirilov. This kind of flew under the radar last night. Jorge Alcala goes to the injured list with right elbow inflammation. Him too. The stuff. I know he was getting through innings, but his fastball was down in velocity. I was noticing that in spring training, and, and he had a ripped his finger, his ring or his nail or something, ripped his finger in spring training. So I wondered if that was why. But then he comes into major league games, and he's not throwing as hard as we're used to seeing him throw. He's more 94-95 than 98-99. Uh, stuff just didn't really play the same for him over his first couple outings. He goes to the injured list with right elbow inflammation. Those are two really ominous injuries. Elbow, elbow inflammation for a reliever who throws 100 is not good. And recurring wrist issues for Alex Kirloff, who's now had problems for his last like three full seasons, 2019 in the minors, power was sapped completely by a wrist injury. 2021, shut down to, to get surgery on his wrist. And now this year again, those two injuries are not good for the Twins. Not good for the Twins bullpen. Not good for the Twins for the future. In the short term, I think they should be able to weather it, but longer term, uh, not good. Miguel Sano is 0 for 19 to start. He smashed his bat on the ground today and shattered it in half. We talk a lot about Miguel. He's got a $14 million option next year. Brandon and I discussed it on the postcast. Very, very hard to see the Twins picking that up next year. It would take, it would take an amazing, amazing, amazing stretch for the Twins to pick up that option. And even then, what has he shown you? What has he shown you that he's going to be able to have a better first half next year or at any point in the future? And the again, the scary part of this 
is sometimes Miguel Sano does this for like a month. He'll do this for months at a time, which is really, really scary for the Twins. He can't go over 19 over and over and over. The worst stretch I ever saw Miguel Sano at the plate was in 2019, and it was in May, maybe May leading into June. He went three for 39 with 23 strikeouts. That was the worst stretch I've ever seen from him. He might push it with this with this start, but he has walked a few times in that stretch. He barely walked, and with in that stretch, he had a big home run at Kaufman. I'll never forget it. In June, I was at the next game because I was in Missouri for the summer to get residency down here. Went to Kansas City to that series, and he had a big home run, go-ahead home run, you know, dramatic homer, and into the fountain. All of a sudden, his season turned around, and from that point forward, from like June 20th forward, was one of the best hitters in the league, was the second best hitting third baseman to only Alex Bregman, who I believe finished second for MVP to Mike Trout in 2019. Miguel Sano was amazing after that point. His, his last 65 games, I think he hit 25 homers and slugged like 580 on base. three. Like He was awesome. Awesome after that point. Is it worth is it worth the payoff? It is in 2019, but we haven't seen quite the payoff since. He was good in the second half last year, but he does nothing for you in the first half. And because he does nothing for you out of the gate, he has to do mammoth things to make up for it. And even then, he's still only a one or two win player because defensively he's not great. And offensively, he's bad for half the season. How do you make up for that? You just can't if you're Miguel Sano. And if you're the Twins, you you can't have that happen, continue to happen, and just be okay with it. When they extended Miguel Sano, I supported the extension because of the second half he had in 2019, was hoping he would turn the corner. And uh, he just hasn't on that trend. I don't think Miguel Sano is a bad, bad player. I think Miguel Sano has had stretches where he's carried the twins offense. I think he is extremely talented. I think he's athletic for his size. He's just so inconsistent. And these starts hurt the lineup massively. Your first baseman cannot have, have stretches Miguel Sano has at the plate. It's just not, not acceptable. I think the twins are going to come to that realization. I think this is the last start you'll see Miguel Sano have. For the twins and i was hopeful because of the end of spring training that he would come out and at least be serviceable out of the gate because if he's serviceable out of the gate for the first month and then he turns it on it's a great year but because he's so bad for the first month sometimes month and a half two months he just can't make up for that he can't make up for it it's it's really disappointing it's frustrating he's frustrated now he's gonna go to boston he's gonna face some tough right-handed pitching and tanner hauck well, Nick Pavetta will talk about the matchups tomorrow, but this is not a good start for Miguel Sano. Griffin Jacks appears out of the bullpen for the first time for the Twins uh, in 2022. Hit 95 with the fastball, was sitting 94, gave up a homer. But I think Griffin Jacks can be good for them out of the pen, especially facing right-handed hitters. I think Griffin Jacks can get righties out at a really high level out of the bullpen because he has a great high-spin slider. And if his fastball is 95, you know, reaching 96 potentially, he could be a good reliever for the Twins, a long reliever, but I'd like him to face like 60 or 70% right-handed hitters, maybe even more this year for Griffin Jacks. This series sucked. There's no way around it. If you're still watching today and you wanted to hear about it, uh, thank you so much. But this series this series was bad. Um, Chris Archer was good. As I said, there were some positives, but the offense scoring one run in 18 innings ain't going to get it done. And it was discouraging after, um, I think, two 
strong games against the Mariners where the Twins showed they can beat a team hitting a bunch of home runs. They can beat a team pitching well and scratching across runs on Monday night. And then they go out there on Tuesday, come out strong, end up losing, and then get blasted on Wednesday. It's not, it's not exactly encouraging. I want the Twins to come out of this month 11 and 11. That was my goal for them because May is light. They got Oakland. Their three toughest series in May are the Whites. No, I'm sorry, Houston, Cleveland, and Detroit. All three of those series at home. The rest of them on the road, but it's against Oakland, Kansas City. It's Baltimore. It's a very light month for the Twins. If they can get out of April 11 and 11, I think after May they can be firmly above 500. And if they're firmly above 500 after May, get some momentum from May. It'll be exciting to see where they could potentially go. Maybe you see Jordan Balazovic off the injured list debuting for the Twins. You might see Cole Sands, Matt Cantorino coming up. There are there are possibilities there. Jose Miranda, even Royce Lewis, if he keeps playing the way he, he is right now. Possibilities there. But you need to weather this storm early. You can't dig a hole. If they go into Fenway, they lose three out of four, that would suck. If they get swept, that would suck. And we'll get to that tomorrow. But 11 and 11, they're two and four right now. You know, they got... 18 to play in the month of April. There's plenty of, of work to do, but there's plenty of time to do that work. This series was not encouraging. I, I would describe the Mariners series as mildly encouraging overall because they had chances to, I think, sweep that series. But I think what we're going to come to find out is the Mariners might not be as good as the preseason projections had them being or the preseason hype put them at. So that's why I'm putting it as mildly encouraging. This one was firmly discouraging, I'd say, in two games. It's the Dodgers. It's not the end of the world. You got to bounce back, though. Last year, if this happened to them, they're going on. They're going to get. They're getting swept in, at Fenway. Or they might win the first game of the series, and then you get your hopes up, and they lose three in a row. That's what would happen last year. Is this year going to be different? Are they going to choose to make this year different? Do they have the pieces to make this year different? Got to wait and see. We'll be back tomorrow previewing the four-game set at Fenway. Join me then. Thank you for making Locked on Twins. Your first listen every day. And I'm like, make your second listen lockdown MLB. Join Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. He's bringing you everything you need to know from around the league. Sully is the best. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Go Twins. Check out the postcast. Subscribe, like, leave a comment. Even if it's negative about the Twins, man, I don't care. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you so much for watching again. We'll be back tomorrow.